You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Man, I I, I want to... I was thinking kind of, you know, we addressing the culture, man. And, and as we address the culture, we addressing two things, problems and solutions. You understand me? And we kind of got to go categorical on, number one, what is our biggest problems? What are some of the things stopping us from solving those problems? You understand me? And, and what are those solutions, right? And, and what should we be paying attention to, right? Like, I, and, and let me start backwards because let's start where attention is right now, right? We know, you know, for the last few years, attention has been going in somewhere in the right direction. But we face a uphill battle, right? We have this, uh, what's being deemed as a financial literacy movement, but it's much bigger than that, right? It's a complete shift in culture and consciousness. You understand me? And, and a different type of consciousness because we've always had a level of consciousness in our community. But that, even that had to evolve to a point where we had to learn how to execute, right? And then we had to learn how do we take this to become more efficient, whereas for years we've been effective at the things that we've done. You understand me? And so now as we see attention given to a platform such as Earn Your Leisure, right, such as myself and some of our peers that we know that's within the same movement, we can salute and say, yes, we finally starting to see some momentum and progress. But if we be honest with ourselves, we have to take a look back and say, you know what? The reality of it is, is that can the progress we make ever outpass, outpace the problems that we have, right? And that's the formula that we got to look at now is that how do we get it to a point where the progress is outpacing the problems? You understand me? Because as long as there's new problems being created on top of the old problems, and then there's people that are stopping us from solving it, we can never actually get to that point. And we need the culture to be steadfast, focused, and pay attention, right? And execute in order for us to be able to get there. And we need all hands on deck. You understand me? Like we are in deep, very vital times that we must, we, it, it, it's 100%, we must understand how serious the times are right now in order for us to embrace what's going on and help us excel what's happening. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, I feel like, um, you know, I put on Twitter uh, yesterday, I'm like, we haven't gotten through to them yet. And I, I feel like that, and a lot of people was like, what do you mean, elaborate? And I feel like, you know, it's, it's a little frustrating sometimes because it's like, like you said, no matter how much progress make um you're constantly reminded that it really there's no progress that's actually made <laughs> like, there's, like, that's a fact every one step that we take forward there's like 10 steps that's mm. taken and um it can be it can become frustrating as i mean a you look at the statistics that's already mm. within itself as far as the wealth gap you look at a city like boston massachusetts where the average black um Wealth is $8 compared to $110. So that's already discouraging within itself. But right. Look at the crime rates. 
cities like New York, LA, Chicago going crazy right now. And then you look at, you know, other um, cultural influencers that still haven't fully, un- they don't understand, like, fully understand what's going on. And they're not really helping the situation. They're not move the needle. So it's a, it's, it's all of these things that's in a blender. And it's like, David, it's like, we can celebrate a certain level of success. Like we can celebrate Earn Your Leisure being followers on Instagram. And even things, that's not really a lot. Right. You know what I'm saying? In the grand scheme, it's not really a lot. Like, it should, it could be 10 million, 20 million. So, these are the things where it's like people are still more interested in negativity, still more interested in nonsense, still bickering, fighting, lies, rumors, and it's like, at some point, you either accept the truth or I don't really know what, what to tell you. Like, I mean, it's, it, we're, at a, we're at a very crucial point in time right now. It's not, I don't feel the progress is actually moving forward at a, at a fast enough pace and it's kind of discouraging. Yeah, you know, you got to ask yourself, you know, uh, I always I always like to pose this question, right? Because only in our culture, right, do we allow entertainers to represent us as leaders. That only happened in black culture, right? And if we look at our culture and we say, well, we the slowest growing household income in America. We at the last pace. So we not going to take things and models from our culture and say that this is excellence. No, you're not going to see this happen in no other culture around the world where they take their influencers and they take their TikTok stars, they take their rappers, they take their actors and say, hey, represent us on politics, represent us on economics, educators on things that have nothing to do with your field or representation. Only in our culture that we think that that's acceptable. And we, we allow media to uh, do that as well. They'll take people who have nothing to do with politics and hey, come on here and talk politics with us. What about this guy who got a political science major? What about the person that's been doing groundwork in the neighborhoods? You understand me? What about the person that's actually been doing the work? So we never take the smartest and the brightest amongst us, project them to produce the ideas to the people. We take the most popular amongst us and utilize them because it has never been about true progress. For the most part, it's been about capturing attention for profit, right? And that's at the detriment of our actual prevailing and winning some of these wars that we fighting on a daily basis, right? Now, at the end of the day, I see a good sister, she commented, and this is important, she said never box people in. But at the end of the day, you know, it, it, that's a good analogy to the fact that in our culture, we already have people that's being boxed out, and those are the people who qualify. <laughs> you understand me? So we got to stop boxing people out at this point because the people that are qualified, that study it, that work it, that understand it, those are the people that are, are qualified to have the attention. Not the people that we're trying to change and we hope they do a little bit better than they did yesterday. So we love to hear them talk about something that they're completely uneducated on, but it inspires us to see them change 1%. No. No. We want to see the smartest and the brightest and the most qualified educators because that's when the best ideas get presented in front of the people, right? Like real economists, real people who study this and who've been doing the work. And how do you know if those people are qualified to me? I say you got to look at cycles and patterns. You understand me? Look at a person's, first you look at a person's pattern. A person do it one day, 
That's cool. They do it the next day, then the next day, then the next day. That becomes a pattern, right? They do it long enough throughout seasons, it becomes a cycle. Then you can start looking at that as a measurement of observation and say that, you know what? That person is truthful. Then you got to look at a track record of a person's execution and see that, that are they just talking or do they have the ability to actually produce right from their knowledge, from their expertise? And if they don't, then those shouldn't be the people that's qualified to come in front of the people and speak. Right. Like if I ask everybody right now, who's the smartest black person in history? Or if I ask you who's the smartest black person that's alive right now, for the most part, we would draw a blank because our culture does not propagate intelligence. Our culture does not propagate intelligence. But if I ask you, who's the smartest white man right now? We go think of Elon. We go think of Bill Gates. We go think of Jeff Bezos. All of these guys, we got a whole top 10 list like we do in rap. That's the only time we got a top 10 list is when it's in rap. We don't have it when it comes to intelligence, right? We don't have it when it comes to who is the one that's producing the most change and the most productive. Who is the person that should stand down in front of the youth and can give them the best solutions? We don't have that. We wait on some of the lowest of our society to make change so we can prop them up. But that's not a way that any society will be led. No other, if, if you can show me where another people have done that to pull themselves out of a position of oppression, you understand me, and to liberate themselves, then I could agree with you. But until you can show me that, then we need to change the model of behavior to have how we move in society. We have to leave things in classes that they're supposed to be. Entertainment is entertainment. Once we have fun, we go to entertain ourselves. That's when we are distracting ourselves from the things that we need to do. Then we evolve into escapism, which is the cousin of entertainment or the brother. So, you know, that. So let me ask you this. You know, uh, who, who is, you know, what is something that you want to see uh, change, right? To, I love them. Those my bros. We got to, you know, I got, you know, I, I, I always got to throw a right hook. You understand yeah, me? No, 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 I'm not saying that you are. I'm just saying that's just, I don't want anybody to get the wrong message. All, all unity. And we all need each other at the end of the day. But I just feel like our culture needs a little bit more balance. I never forget, I had lunch with, I, I won't say his name, but he's a, a very high power music executive, black, black guy. And, um, you know, good dude. Big fan of Ernie Leisure, and um, he was telling he was telling me and Troy he was like he was he was a music executive at one of the top, like one of the top, you know, staples in yeah. hip hop, and he was saying like um, he was like he wouldn't let his kids listen to rap mm. while he's a music executive, and he said the difference between white people and black people is that white people they let their kids listen to rap, their kids know. That is just entertainment. Right. Black people, they let their kids listen to rap. And black kids think that that's the only way of making it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's not even one way of making it. It's like the only way of making it. So you got one group that's just listening for entertainment. And they still going to school. They becoming doctors. They become, they, they listen to rap though. They listen to little Wayne, little Uzi, little whatever. Mm -hmm. They understand that like, that's just their entertainment to get them through their day. But we put in so much hope and inspiration on one or two 
the problem with that is a it's demoralizing to other people that's doing other things because there's nobody that's celebrating that because the awareness is totally off of it so mm-hmm. it's like i heard the live the other day shout out to my brother fat joe ey alumni mm-hmm. shout out to our both of our good friends jim jones they yeah. was on live and they was having a conversation and they were saying that there's no leadership and I just feel like the conversation was a little misleading because, as you said, there is a lot of leadership, but it's like, where are you looking or where are you highlighting? Right. right? So if you're looking in, in, in just the entertainment industry, for the, then you, you're only focusing on a small subject of the whole population where you're saying that there's no leadership, but there are leaders. There's leaders in the political field. There's leaders in the economic field. There's leaders in the nutrition field. That's a so fact. instead of always complaining, that's the problem. Like we always complain. Like Malcolm X is not coming back. Martin is not coming back. Marcus Garvey's not coming back. Like once you die, you're not coming back. So instead of always looking back, they love for us to always look backwards. Mm-hmm. They love for us to always look backwards. Instead of always looking backwards, we gotta look forward. And part of looking forward is champion young leaders looking towards the leadership and actually diversifying and not only worshiping one area of subject matter because what it's doing is that it's extremely detrimental because the message that you're giving to kids is that this is it that's why when jay said that line 25 years ago it's still relevant to today all us blacks got is sports and entertainment he said that in 1996. That's, that line is really still relevant to today. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if you really think about it, the most, you, you think of like the most popular white people, you think of a, a wide variety of people. You got everybody from Tom Brady to Elon Musk to Tim Cook to whoever. Like you're thinking of a lot of different people, Donald Trump. You got so many different people that just come off the top of your head. That's a you fact. Think, think about the most popular black people. It's Kanye West, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Floyd Mayweather. That's like the, the most popular. You got to go through a lot of different channels before you even get to a Bob Johnson. If you even get to Bob Johnson. Yeah, that's yeah. a fact. You got to go through so many different verticals before you get to, you know, somebody like a Kenneth Shaw. Like, there's so many different people that don't even know who these people are. So it's like our priorities is totally off base. And like I said, it's not to it's not to judge the entertainers because we need the entertainers. We need the entertainers. But there has to be a level of balance. And it's like when you speak, it's important to understand that, you know, words are very powerful. So if we keep rehashing the same old narrative of we need new leadership, we need new leadership, and these kids is not doing nothing, these kids is not doing nothing. It's like you're just kind of just regurgitating the same information over and over again, and it's really not it's not beneficial. Well, you know, when, when that's it, that's self-condemnation. That's not a condemnation on the people that's doing work. Any, you know, anytime a person asks for leadership, it's self-condemnation in the fact that you're not doing your responsibility in courtship. And, you know, a brother told me the other day, at the end of the day, like, saying that you are the leader is a form of vanity. Like, leaders are picked by the people by the work that they do. You understand me? And 
that's that's one thing that has to be understood as well like it's not about creating dependency upon one particular group or things of that nature you understand me but at the end of the day it is talking about putting qualified people up there and changing narratives within culture right because prevailing the prevailing narrative in culture is ignorance we know that that is the most dominant aspect of our culture right and so we represent a one percent right and then the percentage of people that tap in with us even our audiences is still like the 10 percent of people who know who we are we still getting that one percent of people actually tap in take heed and execute on the information and knowledge because once they get this consciousness they still go take they 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 valuable time you understand me and they go spend it in some other thing that has no value whatsoever so if we talk about you know creating change number one it's like we got to get to a point in culture and we got to ask ourselves, what's the difference between, you know, different times? Because we're dealing with different people. We asked that we talked about this yesterday. Like Malcolm X dealt with a different people, a different sort of culture, different black people that had different values. Martin Luther King dealt with a different people, right? They dealt with a different government, a different world, a different set of circumstances. Ours is much harder because it's hard to teach people who think they already know something, right? And then we got another group, a class in society is those of us that start to get money. Once we start to get money, we separate ourselves from everybody else because you no longer have the same level of relatability to those problems. And it comes to a point where you at the bottom, you're the most revolutionary you will ever be because you want everything to change at the top, right? Because you benefit nothing from that world in this caste system. But then once you start to get there in the African caste system, they say that the entertainers, right, and the politicians, they are part of that, that caste system that wants to see things change, but never wanted to see things go. Not change so much because if they disappear, then they lose their place in this system. And sometimes when you become so tied to everything, you understand me, that your money is tied into this, that if you speak on this too much, then it's going to cut your lights off. So you know, I can't present this young brother, I can't predict this young sister, I can't present these type of solutions because it goes off the ignorance that I'm still portraying and getting paid from. It goes off the very systems that I'm still working from. So it's like, there has to be two foes that come into this. It's like, yeah, I respect everybody, you know, because we all got our parts and people do good in the ways that they know how to do good. But we got to challenge that as well. We got to challenge to ourselves and our peers and we always pushing that. We always talking about, we got to go away from the lifestyle, Brandon, and we have to go more into just that value given to the people so they can get what's right for them, right? Because we don't want to get to a point where we're just manipulating our people, you understand me? Because it's not the fact that you might not be giving them something right, it's that at some point in time, number one, a lot of people won't really execute, and that's going to come back as a bad karma on this revolution that we are in. I ain't going to say started because it started 100 years ago, you understand me? But we found a style that works for us in the sense that everything that we believe that we observe that was missing or what we could consider was wrong we say you know what let's add that in there right like if you go on youtube and a person wants to learn about a, a, a stock education and they turn into eyl that model did not exist five years ago not on any mass platform right but I know for a fact that our grandpas, grandmothers, uncles, aunties, a lot of them invested into the stock market. But there was never a family meeting giving a breakdown on how these things were done. 
You understand me? A lot of them have benefits where I know my grandma invested into the stock market. I remember my mother talking about Caterpillar stocks back in the day. But it was nobody that uh, 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 could really sit down and give us a breakdown in our language. So we speak the language of the streets because we come from them. We speak the language of the professional uh, 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 knowledge that needs to be said in a manner to where everybody can get it, whether it's universal at the same time. So the question becomes, is this is the challenge? Because I put that out there for the media companies as well. And shout out to Black Enterprise because they reached out to me afterwards. Yeah, shout out to Kenny Byers in here as well. It's like, you know, black media has a responsibility um, harder than anybody else. Because black media has to do things that are directly tied to our liberation because they got the attention of our people. You understand me? And that goes to all networks, none excluded. That the it, Brother Nuri said a youthless movement is a useless movement. You understand me? And if we don't have the youth involved in everything that we do and we're afraid that they're going to take our position and you won't have value, then you're already destroying the opportunities for the next generation to become better because you're not involving them and you're not giving them the resources that you didn't have. Right? And, and, oh, not to cut you off, but I think that this is extremely important as well. And we can even look at music. This is why I love artists like Jay Nas because I feel like our culture, young people by design supposed to get guidance and look up to older people. Older people are not supposed to try to dumb themselves down to be relatable to young people. Mm -mm. You Easy if you're 40 years old trying to be a 19 year old. But what's happening is that in order to stay relevant, you have adults that are trying their hardest to remain children. The, the children are never going to respect you, so now the whole the whole system is out of whack. There's no there's no there's no hierarchy, right? It's like when you're an adult, your message has to be mature. This is something that a young person can look at and say, okay, I can understand this. This is something that makes sense to me. I want to go in that direction. If you act in the same way that he's acting, you're in the same places that he's in, he's not looking at you as leadership. He's looking at you as like, right. he, he has respect for you. So it's like, you're, you're trying to gain respect by making yourself young, but you're actually losing respect by not being yourself. And that's why I said before, like, you could be anybody in this world, even yourself. Like, we have such a hard time with being ourselves because we don't know who we are. Mm. And we never really had anything. So it's like, once we get anything, we just we just go crazy. This goes to, you know, just showing things off, to, to just, you know, going too much, trying to be young forever. And, and the, the sad thing about it is that in the grand scheme of things, no matter how much we have, we don't have anything. That's and a fact. It, Diddy, Diddy told this to uh, Meek Mill, because Meek was like, yo, um, a million ain't the new goal, a billion's the goal. And he was like, a billion, we still, a billion dollars and we still broke. And I understood what he, what he meant by that because it's like, they say African-Americans have like 1% of the wealth in America. And we have 1% of the wealth in America when we was freed from slavery hundreds of years ago like you saying that they say the average black family has twenty five hundred dollars in that work so it doesn't matter like if we're millionaires if lebron's a billionaire in the grand scheme of things one person can't change everything so it's like no matter how much we gain from a from an individual standpoint if the collective is is not gaining it doesn't matter one person's victory is only one person's victory. It's not the victory of the whole collective. And that's what they don't understand. They, they make you think that it's a, it's a, it's a one-person race. 
when other other nationalities don't think like that. Like I had a friend, I have a friend that's Indian, and I went to his wedding, and um, you know I was just building with him, and just to watch their culture, that's a whole different thing. Like we yeah. don't even have a, our culture is just made up of scraps. We don't have something that's really a real culture. I can get into that later on too, but it's like his family, his 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 mother, his um wife's family. They, they have their own motels. So, like, mm. the Indians, they own, like, a lot of motels in, in, on the East Coast. And he was telling me, like, the philosophy is that, you know, like, one family member comes over, they open a motel, yeah. and then send money back to India. Like, five other people come, but they don't have any option, but they have to work in the motel. The five people have to work in the motel, and they all live in the same house. They save up their money, and then it's like they all put their money in a pot, and they say, okay, you... You're gonna get the the next motel, and then you're gonna send for five people, and then before you know it, they own a hundred motels, right? It's not like one person getting a motel and like hi, right. later, like you know what I'm saying? But they don't understand. But then it's like now we start to look like okay, you got every other group all over the world that comes to America and has more net worth than us, has a higher education than us, and it's like we've been here the longest out of anybody, and. We're still going like this. Every every step we up, we're taking a step back. And it's like, eventually, this group economics, this selflessness, you, you can't be selfish. It's too much selfishness. And that's the problem with our culture. It's like, we glorify and we promote selfishness. But then we wonder why we don't have anything. Yeah. You, 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 you hit a lot on the head, man. I want to go specifically to the culture and the family model. Because I, I know that for a fact that's one of the biggest things that's missing, right? You know, a couple summers ago I created the uh, the Black Standard and the Wealth Standard, right? And, you know, that was one of the first things y'all interviewed me on. And it was simply looking at the fact that we don't have standards towards wealth. We don't have many standards towards anything in our culture, right? Um, so it's hard to hold yourself accountability when there's no standards, Right. If there's a book called Oriental Wealth Seekers, and it gives a breakdown of some of the standards that, you understand me, Asian's family uses in order to model their economics, right? And basically, everybody in that family has a role, right? It's an agreed-upon role that's already constructed before you're born that you enter into. And it's an understanding that this individual is not the importance, right? It's the collective and what you can bring to the collective. That's also within the African system, that... You know, the, the, everybody not about to get around you. You getting around what skill sets, what value you can bring to add more value to the culture itself. But what we miss is any standards of value that we agree upon. Like, So let's say within the culture that we're creating right now is that we want to have standards in this culture. That there are certain things you can't do within this you know, wealth movement that we're creating if you want to consider yourself to be a peer and do good work. You understand me? Like you can't take advantage of the people. You, 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 you. The overbranding of, of lifestyle is another thing that we cutting and slashing down. As that's not gonna be a part of the standards within this culture. If we go look at hip hop, right? Because hip hop has to consistently be used because it's the one communication system that we have all around the world. That whether you're in Africa, whether you're in Brazil, whether you're in the UK, that all melanated people all across the world listen to. Right. Which establishes a link of communication that we consider to be culture and it creates these norms. Right. So when we look at hip hop, hip hop has no standards, though. Right. Now, a person can get on a beat and they can create a hit and they can talk about killing, murder, robbing, shooting, rape. They can talk about anything. 
As long as it becomes a hit, a person will listen to that, they get accepted into culture, and nobody is checking each other because there's no system of accountability. No matter how weird a person does, no matter how left they go, you do not see those the people that engage into hip-hop or the rap world check each other like men and women, right? Because there's no standard of actually being a man or a woman in that courtship. So it's like the basics, right, of how family would operate with standards and courtship don't even exist in ours right now. So at the same time, we're trying to advance people to different levels to say, okay, y'all need to do business with family. We need to set up trust and SOPs and learn how to set up the LLCs and learn how to do investment strategies and how to protect yourself and how to train. And it's like we haven't even got established on how, you know, in the Oriental Wealth Seekers, there's a relationship on how the younger brother and the older brother are supposed to interact, how the sister and the dad are supposed to interact, how the mother and the oldest son are supposed to interact. Like all of these are standards that they have. So once you find yourself in that position, you play your part, right? And the family is able to eat and benefit and grow cohesively. So within our family is dysfunction. Nobody knows their role and everybody want to play any role and we want to disrupt and, 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 and destroy all of the roles that came before us. So at now we have to get to a point where we're creating new standards of operation that the culture can agree upon. And when we see somebody that doesn't meet that, we say, wait a minute, that's not how we moving. That's not, you can't get our support anymore because you no longer meet our standards. You understand me? And, and then we learn how to check each other, not from a place of emotion. You understand me? Because anything that happens in public, these are the rules. As I grew up FOI, right? If it happens in public, you get checked in public. If it happens in private, you get checked in private, right? It's learning the proper handling of people. So we don't automatically, we start fighting each other, killing each other, murdering each other. It's like, no, we learn how to handle confrontation. We learn how to consult with each other. We learn how to build in real operation. But conflict. we can't, conflict. conflict resolution. That's probably, that is one of the biggest issues that black men have in America and across the world is that we don't know how do not know how to resolve conflict man to man. We don't know how to speak to each other and communicate without pride, ego, envy, jealousy, right? Insecurities and all these other things that challenge and trigger us. And we're not willing to participate in looking at ourselves and self-evaluate. And we always look outside ourselves for the issue. So there's a level of maturity that has to be established. And your money does not establish your readiness to be in front of the people as a leader and speak. And that's one thing that we have to strip the we have to strip the money of this power that it has in our culture. Because a person now they can flash money in front of young, right, impressionable people, and they get them to follow. They 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 flash in the front of our women, and the women come. Oh, that's a high value man. Those those are not standards, right? That are connected to value systems. You understand me? Because shit, a person could have goddamn got lucky on the altcoin. You understand me on some Shiba Inu and became a millionaire. So. That's a, that's a man that you go date, ladies, or that's a man that you go follow, fellas? Hell no. You understand me? That man don't have none of those principles and what it takes to actually be a man. So at the core of this conversation is learning how to be men and women again. And then we got to separate those who actually are for the culture and those who are for themselves. I agree, brother. I agree. I feel like um, conflict resolution is extremely, extremely important. And it's something that it should actually be teaching us. But um, you know, there's so many, there's so many issues, so many people that's in jail, so many people that's dead because pride, ego, and emotion. 
Um, and it never really goes away. The same emotions, ego, pride that a six-year-old has, a 60-year-old has. Like, you know what I mean? It's just... That's a fact. It, 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 it just gets more dangerous when you become older. But um, the conflict resolution part is extremely, extremely, extremely important. Extremely important. And um, I feel that, you know, there's always light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I just feel that, you know, people just have to just open up their eyes. That's it. It's, it's not to really, like, chastise people. Because I always look, before I criticize somebody, I try to look to see how they, how they were thinking. Because right. you know, I'm like, maybe somebody wasn't aware. Maybe somebody's upbringing was different. Maybe that. You know what I mean? I always try to look at it from, from their standpoint because you can't look at it from your standpoint, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't expect somebody to think how you think because your upbringing might be different, your education might be different, your value system might be different, so you got to put yourself in their, in their shoes. But what point but do we chastise, though? Huh? What, at what point do we chastise? Because chastisement is a system that keeps order and law. You know what, though? I feel like the chastisement doesn't really necessarily... It's, the power's with the people. Power's with the people. And this is something that, um, even if you look at the success of our platform, your platform, right, like... Earn Your Leisure was championed by the people, is championed by the people. So I feel like the people, because people will say all the time, well, like positive hip-hop isn't pushed on the radio. Yeah, that's true, but ultimately, the people make a decision. We have to take responsibility as a people. We put people in power. Like I said, you look at the white community, and they got rock and roll, they got all that stuff, but there's a balance, because the, the general public is not supporting just straight nonsense. They've made decisions as a conscious group of people to support what they want to support. So ultimately, we can, we, can, we can blame the white man, we can blame America, and all that is very true, but at the end of the day, we black from America. You wasn't supposed to be successful to begin with. Like my man Derek Falcon said, if you black, you gotta go outside with an umbrella when it's, when it's sunny because anything can happen. You gotta prepare for that at the beginning. So it's not really a time to make excuses, blame the system, blame record companies. Yeah, you're already up against an uphill battle. That's, that's been the case since we got here. But a certain level of responsibility has to be taken from an individual standpoint because whatever you champion, that is, is what's going to be pushed. That's if a fact. We, if we continue to champion nonsense, if we continue to champion, you know, Gang culture, if we continue to champion things that's detrimental to us, this is what we're going to get. When we decide not to champion that and we decide to champion other things, that pe- those people are going to go into the other route. So ultimately, the power is with the people. The people will lead with their vote. It's, it's like an election. They vote. The people vote their leaders. Leaders are not, there's no dictators in this game. The people vote who they want to lead them. The people vote which platforms they want to receive information from. The people vote to see what's most important. And right now, the, 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 the party that has been winning by a landslide for the last 25 years is not, is not beneficial. So it's time to overthrow. It's time to overthrow the old government, as Pac once said. It's time to overthrow the old yeah. government and elect the new government. Yeah. Because the government that we've elected has not been beneficial and it's actually been extremely dangerous you know that, that that's dope that you said that um uh, 
And the challenges that we need, we, we got to have when it comes to this is we have to establish whether we have a true democracy. And one of the issues that exists on both systems is that there, we know there's no true democracy in America on the political side. And that's because money always comes into a play, right? At the end of the day, you know, we know that unfortunately we got a culture of low frequency. You understand me? And we are attracted. It's, it's easy to be led in the, the wrong direction. It's hard to be led in the right, right? And Honorable Elijah Muhammad always gave us that breakdown. And when we look at that and we say, well, we create the voting system and we allow people to have a true democracy, at the end of the day, that person that can get more airtime and attention ends up winning. That's why we got a lobby system. They sell poor people vote and they tell rich people lobby, right? And one of the issues is the fact that we have to also have the resources to win that particular war of influence, right? And that means that we have to be aggressive for ourselves, you understand me, and going after our opponents at the same time, right? And at the end of the day, those opponents can shake hands just like the, the, the politicians do when they shake hands on a golf course and, and they take pictures and they kicking it, but it's saying that, listen, we right now are lobbying for our people's attention because we believe we have better solutions for them. We believe that if they give us their attention and consciousness, that we can actually give them enlightenment rather than something that's detrimental to them, that'll put them further, deeper into the hole, right? And one of the most dangerous parts of this is the timeline in which we have to do it. You and me you know, both know that we got like three to five years for a lot of these opportunities that exist right now to close up. We, we, we see what all of these companies are doing right now. All of these companies are lobbying and trying to figure out how they can own the minds, the time, the environment, everything for the people right now. Well, I, I, I want to just, I'll hold on. This is extremely important to the financial conversation part of it. Yes, sir. I, this guy told me this five years ago. I understand what he said. He was like, this next 10 years, you're either going to become rich or you're going to be broke forever. Mm. I understand what he's talking about now. Which what, we, what we're living in right now it's like, it's a gap in time. Like sometimes it's like a gap in time where you can actually like rush through a portal before it actually gets closed up. With social media, with technology, with cryptocurrency, with all this information, like this is something that, there's a gap in time right now where you can actually receive information in real time, apply it in real time, change your life in real time, change your family's life in real time. There's no guarantee, there's no guarantee that this will last forever. It's extremely important for people to understand the, the opportunities that's out there right now. This information wasn't always readily available like this. People, we take for granted for things when we have it, but it's like in the history of civilization, right? Like we're not even talking about 2,000 years, even before the birth of Christ. Let's say mm -hmm. 4,000, 5,000 years. For the, for five, let's say for 5,000 years, right? It was a pyramid system where information was held at the top for the ruling classes, the wealthy, right? The vast majority of the people that lived on the bottom was ignorant. Not even, not ignorant by choice. Ignorant, like they wasn't allowed to go to school. They wasn't taught how to read. They, slaves, stuff like that. It's, it's a very small percentage, like probably like less than 1% of world history was that information was even readily available to the masses. And what we're seeing now where it's super readily available yeah and, and and this has never been the case like this is not normal in world history this is not normal this is something that has never happened in world history where this much information is readily available for free 
for free. That's a fact. On any anything that you want to learn about from ancient Egypt to cryptocurrency, NFTs, metaverse, you can learn in in the pocket. Like you, you're talking about the ancient. I went to Egypt, and you know the ancient museum, the ancient uh, library in Egypt. They said it was the most expansive library in, in the ancient world. And um, when it when it burnt down, they said hundreds of years of information and civilization was 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 going away. Right? Like, think about how large that library must have been. Mm-hmm. This, this iPhone is one. That's a million, fact. One million times more vast. In the ancient library of Egypt. Yeah, in Timbuktu. The ancient library of Egypt doesn't even compare to what we have in our pocket. Literally, literally. Anything that you ever wanted to learn, you can, and most of us use it for all the wrong things. We use it for arguments, we use it for just watching nonsense, debating back and forth on social media, going to blogs that have nothing to do with nothing, watching the same interviews over and over again, watching sports on our phones, sports gambling. And it's like, before you know it, the window's going to close and the opportunities are not going to be there anymore. So it's really life or death that you take advantage of this information while you have it because if it's not here anymore or if there's a barrier to access, well, I mean, what, what can you really say? Who can you blame? Man, that's, 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 that's super bars, man. That's super keys. You know, if, if the difference between... Uh, the times of Timbuktu, the libraries that we speak of and things of that nature is the mindset of the people, right, that would be hungry for that type of knowledge, right? Even growing up in a lot of immigrant households or growing up in the hood, when you are deprived of a thing, you want it more than ever. But when you freely get access to it, you don't value it the same way. So the mindset that the people have today towards the knowledge is the issue because we know we got more knowledge at our readily available at our fingertips than any other point in time in history. But if you don't have a goal and you have all the knowledge in the world, then you're not going to do nothing with it, right? So it's like the lack of vision that exists within the minds of our people is the issue, right? If you got a goal, the only distance between your goal, right, is where you are now, and what you don't know, you understand me, and the execution, so you got your ignorance that creates the gap in the timeline in which you get there is your will of ambition, execution, and focus, right? But if you don't have a vision, a person may say, you know what, I am with that wealth movement. But then that same five hours that they could have put into studying something, that they could have executed something for that would have benefited them, they might have went to the club with that same five hours. And, and listen... We we one of the worst people that celebrate when we have nothing to that we celebrate when we got no wins. We are people that celebrate our losses more than ever. And not the type of losses that's gonna eventually get us to greater gains and wins. We just celebrate losing because we're trying to escape the reality of our own responsibility to save ourselves. But when you got the knowledge at your fingertips, you can save yourself. Right now you can go study up. I always put out a list of everything that families need in order to set themselves up. You can go study crypto, stocks, investment, real estate, land, gold, right? Blockchain technology, right? Mental health, laws of the universe, health science, all of the things that a person would need to in order to get themselves right. They can literally go design themselves right now. 
they can decide what they want to be and then they can start decide what they want to start at first and they can go source find that knowledge and execute on it and when 365 days come around and every single day they did something to execute they go find themselves a completely new person but the problem that we have right now the most detrimental and dangerous thing for us is distraction our ability to focus is dangerous right you told me before like and i, I had the same thing you might find yourself mindlessly scrolling on youtube or something now i know for me i got a lot of different ways i keep myself focused so i know that if i find myself scrolling you understand me what happens to another person that they so stuck in a the feed they probably get of one good hour a week of real solid superior focus like and, and we don't even have an evaluation to measure like damn how many hours a week do I actually really focus on one task I'm very mindful at and I give it my 100% complete with no distractions. And the average person, if they was real with themselves, they're going to find themselves that it's shrinking over time and time because you're giving more time to the machine and less time to self and your goals and your visions. So our goal is, of course, we're going to continue to provide the necessities for the people who are focused. And then we are now trying to get the people who are distracted to get over here. And then we're trying to get the people who's distracting them to stop distracting them <laughs> so they can focus. <laughs> so it's like it's a it's a double sided battle that we fight at all times. And we understand how multidimensional this problem is that exists. You understand me? And, and that's the battle that we face right now. And that's the battle that everybody else faces. That's in these comments that listen to us is how the hell do I actually get focused to listen to these brothers? And, 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 and focus and starts with fasting. It's, 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 it's not like we've been preaching. Because like you said, I find myself scrolling on YouTube and going through all kinds of different nonsense and the histories of the gangs in Alaska and how the bloods got to Alaska. And I'm like, why did I just watch this? All right, I was just watching hun Hunters of Baboons in the, in the last <laughs> hunter-gatherer tribe in Africa. Random, random nonsense. Like, and I'm like, what What did I just waste 45 minutes on? But it's just like, it's just like the word jihad. Like, you know, jihad, you know, that got real popular like after 9-11 because mm. it's like a holy war. So people like, jihad is like a holy war on America. But if you really understand what that word means, like the real jihad is, is within yourself. Like That's a the, fact. The, the greatest battle that any human will ever have is the battle within themselves. So we all fight battles every single day. None of us are above that. Like mm -hmm. nobody's above that. We all, it's a, it's a battle every single day to stay focused, to stay on a straight path. Like that's a battle that's not easy to accomplish. But one of the things is that your, your environment really, really can either make or break the situation because that's a fact. Chance, he said something that was very profound one time. He said, um, it's, it's extremely hard to do good when you're surrounded by negativity. That's a fact. Environment I, is stronger than nature. I, so it's like, it's like, even like if you're in school, right? If, if you're in a school and everybody's just smoking weed in the class, throwing papers at the teacher, they rolling dice, it's kind of hard to be the one student to just raise their hand. So you kind of just slouch. And at the very least, you just, you know, just become a C student. And you just, you just kind of cruise through. The alternative is that it's extremely hard to do bad when you're surrounded by right. So if you're a decent level-minded person and let's say it's just like, you know, a bunch of like 80 year old church women around, like, right. Like 
you you see this all the time. Like people will pull their pants up. Mm-hmm. People are like, yeah. Put put away like wait 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 let let her walk through because now you feel bad, right? Your environment is not conducive to your negative behavior. So subconsciously, you start to correct yourself, right? So this is something that's extremely important. I had a friend that was in jail, and he was saying, like, he never had a speech impediment or anything, but he was, like, being in jail and being around so many uneducated people that really couldn't speak properly, he had developed a stutter. And he was, like, it it started to bother him, but Mm -hmm. he realized that, it was the people that he was around actually started to weigh on his diction. So your disenvironment conversation is extremely important. And this is why congregation is very important. Like even if you look at religions, religions, they congregate because like-minded people, it's always easier. It's easier when you're around a like, like-minded group of people. This is why, you know, everything in our society is really based around groups, right? Sports teams. That's a fact. Works, gangs, everything is it's, it's pretty much the same structure, right? It's just you, you could be in a group and you can do positive things in that group, or you could be in a group and you could do negative things in that group. It's extremely hard to stand alone on an island. And it's even harder to stand alone on the island when everybody that's around you is doing the complete opposite that you're doing. That's the, so, that's the crowd mind. They did a they did a, a a a study right where they was testing to see how easily the people were swayed by the crowd. So what they had is they had people walk inside this elevator. Now this elevator only opened from one side, but the people that would be three people standing in there. Now they'll purposely be standing the opposite way in which the door opens, and they wanted to see how many times that each person walked in there and just automatically turned around and followed the crowd, even though there was only one door opening. In which you can exit, right? And nine out of ten of the people will go in there and automatically follow the crowd, right? Because we are organisms of reaction. So our environment sets the conditions of what we follow. We got mirror neurons. So when we see some reason we like sports, we see somebody doing something, we jump up because we feel as if that's us doing it, right? So we literally mirror everything within our environment. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said something powerful one time. They asked him, he said, how are you able to go inside all of these different type of environments and still be yourself, right? And he said something to the fact that he said, I bring my own atmosphere, that's why. You understand me? Everybody doesn't know how to do that. So environment is stronger than nature and it changes people. So if you want to change the condition of your thinking, yes, you have to change the condition of your environment because we are hardwired to react to everything that we see. And we want to go with the crowd rather than stand out because we feel safer in numbers. So when the majority is doing something, it's, it's hard to tell the difference between a scholar and a fool inside a crowd. Like a mob that's going crazy, you don't know who the smartest. Everybody is acting the same. The intelligence is thrown out the window. The individual perspective is thrown out the window and people just follow. You understand me? That's the frenzy of the crowd mindset. So being able to have self-observation and understand your external observations allow you to get to a point of knowledge yourself where you can bring your own atmosphere. And even social media is an environment, right? You see people always, people get mad when people take things from, oh, you took my idea, you said this like how I said it. Well, if you put it out there, you created an environment for people to be influenced by it. We are all collectively collaborating on a platform. Whether we want to be influenced or not, the moment we see something is going to have a reaction within us. 
You understand me? The worst thing to do is hear a good idea and not want to execute on it. <laughs> so that's why we always got to be careful who we tell our ideas, because if you tell the right person an idea and it's the right idea, they gonna be like, well, damn, you just saved me time to think. <laughs> but it's the same thing with a bad idea. People hear bad ideas, and if they don't have that power of self-control, they're going to follow it the same way, depending on their state of mind and their mood. So it's like we have a lot of things that we have to do when it comes to learning self-control because we live in an environment where everybody has studied and mastered us as consumers because we are the greatest consumers in America, right? Particularly black women are the greatest consumers, right, because they spend more money. But as a culture, we are the greatest consumers. We produce $1.5-something trillion dollars. Yet, it's not an investment power. It's a spending power, which means that it goes out and it doesn't come back. Every other community has a circulating model. We understand me? Where the money is circulating within that, it, it comes back to points of origin rather than just go out. The Asian community circulate that. You go down to Chinatown, right? And, and, and once we get to the science of economics, we get to the science of self, then we can really start raising our energy to the highest level because right now we simply trying to get your mindset to the point where you can gain some resources for yourself to get you out of your own condition that you in because like you said bro we are the last generation that will be able to have that excuse where you blame the white man where you blame the government because people can listen you it will be a, a historical record like no you did not do anything between 2019 through 22. And let me say something. Let me say something about that real quick. Like the history of America, we don't have to go into that. We already know all the atrocities that was done on American soil, on foreign soil by America. We already know slavery. We already know that, and like that's already established, right? I'm African American. Both of my parents African American, so nobody can really talk to me about that because that's my experience. <clears throat> the United States of America. Understand this, the United States of America has the most opportunity than any other country in the world. This is a country where you can literally get busy and become a millionaire in one to two years. That is a fact. So what I'm saying is that, of course, it's not perfect. Of course, there's issues. But having said all of that, this is a, a country that you can change your life that is that so all it is like when we continue to, to, to blame things it's not helping mm -mm. you just putting excuses in front of your opportunities that's why I don't get with none of that like I don't get with none of that because ultimately it's like it's like if you're in a game right and the referee is bad you can you like keep complaining about the referee the referee's not changing Play, you got to play the game or sit out the game. But you can't complain. You can't just keep complaining and blaming this, blaming that, blaming what. Like, this is where we are right now in 2022. You take advantage of the opportunities that's presented to you or somebody else will. I guarantee you somebody else will. I guarantee you that somebody else will from another country, from anywhere. This is, this is the reality. And sometimes you got to understand that you got to speak this kind of way because there's no sympathy. There's no, nobody's coming to save you. There's nobody, there's no government stimulus package that will save you. 
There's no charity program that will save you. There's no billionaire that's going to come and, and save you. Nobody's going to save you. Nobody's going to save you. The only person that can save you is yourself. So first, you have to understand that. Second, you have to actually get up, take action. Stop wasting your life. Like a lot of people are wasting their lives. That's they want a, a bunch of that are not beneficial at all and then wondering why they're not seeing results. Stop comparing your life to somebody else. That's another big thing too. Like comparison is the is the, the thief of joy. Like you're comparing your life to somebody else that you don't even know. Run your own race. I tell people this all the time. Like when I was building what we have now, I wasn't sleeping. I was up to mm-hmm. four on it every morning. I taught myself. I don't even know how to use a computer properly. I taught myself <laughs> how to edit by myself. Yeah. Any social media I could edit because I was going through all the apps in the app store, googling. How do you how do you make this video? How do you spice this? How do you add music to it? How do you do the da 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 da? There's no alternative. When when losing is not an alternative, the only thing that you can do is win. That's a fact. So I, yeah, I don't I don't really take a lot of excuses because it's like I'm looking at my own personal. Situation. I don't take no excuses. You can't you can't because it's like you either you either going to do it or you're not. This is the reality that we're in right now, and I wasn't privy to all the information that was out there. Like now, you can just listen to podcasts, you can watch YouTube. I was literally teaching myself on the go, on the fly. Yeah, I mean, now we get to be blueprints for someone else's success. That's what I'm saying. It's already there. All the information is already readily available to you at your fingerprints. So it's like, you're going to do it or you're not going to do it. But what we're not going to do is just continue to make the same excuses over and over again. Bro, you know, one of the most important words I learned in my life was the word manage. You understand me? And, And having that ability to... You know, line up your task to get to your set obligation and goals, right? I always say that you can't be a man unless you learn how to man age yourself, meaning that unless you learn how to manage yourself in certain areas of life, you're not a man. Same thing for a woman. You got to be at that one man age, right? Whether you can manage yourself emotionally, right? Or can you manage yourself financially? You understand me? Can you manage yourself physically? And And that's saying that can you manage your activities on a daily basis to get to your goals? Or maintain consistency within your standards. And so once you learn management, you understand me, then you have the power over self. But when we're young and we children, what we need are mothers to manage us. We need the schools to manage us. We need everybody around us teaches a system of management. And same thing with jobs. And it's no disrespect to jobs, but we understand that we need more than that. That we have to learn how to create our own jobs because each person has the ability of creative capacity. But we haven't learned how to manage our minds, manage our creativity, manage our productivity. And once we learn how to manage ourselves in each one of these sectors, it allows us to set ourselves up for a life where we manage to save ourselves. You understand me? Like we got the resources because even for those that I know this is an international conversation because we got a lot of people around the world. It's not even just the fact that we in America, it's the time we're living in. If you, got, if you are watching this live, it means you have the same opportunities, just about, because you have access to technology. And this technology has transformed our ability to produce wealth because at first, the wealthy man only had access to stream to 2,000 people on the random without, without saying, putting up no posts, no nothing, and people just show up. 
We didn't have access to do that whatsoever. But now we can. So now that same amount of money or that same amount of uh, resource that, you know, that was only privy to the wealthy class to be able to move information and communication and resources, we have that same ability. We can go on YouTube right now and, and go viral and hit a million people. You don't have to pay for that. It's called zero marginal cost when you don't have to pay for the resource. But you understand me? You can still maximize the effectiveness of it. So at the end of the day, the smart people built the platforms. So what do we got to do next? We have to learn how to use them the best way possible. And that's where creativity comes in. You've learned how to utilize this platform in a more creative manner. Manners that you couldn't be told because the blueprint didn't exist before you. I've learned how to utilize it in that same capacity. And many other people here that are there now, it's the creativity. That's what's going to set you apart today. I know a brother that is he out there in Africa and he just built a, a solar power TV. You understand me? Where it's cordless because he utilized a resource of his own intelligence, said that he was self-taught. You understand me? He understood his fascination with technology. He learned how to get more resources and created an opportunity for himself. The, the one of the chief differences between the Asian community and ours is that, that when they think about a savior, they think about education, that that's the thing that's going to save them. So that if we know that we don't have another Malcolm X coming, we know we don't have a Martin Luther King coming because we never had him. So therefore, they got to look at, well, how do we save ourselves? Well, we got to get knowledge. The knowledge will give us the skill set, the resources to be able to do for self. We got to work with family, right? We got to dominate sectors that are going to be, you know, the rulers in the world. So they get into technology, right? They invest into health. They are looking at the ruling sectors and saying that if we get in those right now, then we have an advantage. That's why the East Indian is the highest paid in Silicon Valley. You understand me? That's why they running these companies, because they got education in places that have something to do with nation building. Right. We do not get educated in places that have something to do with building our own nation or building our families up or building wealth in the future whatsoever. We, we, we go to school. And all we're trying to do is impress our mother and father. We go get a debt education and then don't get a degree that's valuable enough to pay off the education in the first place. Right. And then when we get the money that's in the household, we got to use all of the resources we have to take care of everybody else. So there's nothing left to pass down because we we don't look at the fact that our net worth. Also, we got to decrease the amount of responsibilities and people that we have to take care of. So. We never worked as much as we do unless everybody around us is eating and living good at the same time, right? So that's why the family model has to come into play, right? That's why we have to change the standards and how we do things. And that's why I study everybody else, because for the most part, everybody else is doing it better than us. <laughs> I, need to know, I need to know the best practices. So if we take the best practices in every culture and say, well, we're going to adopt that. So now I can do it as good as y'all, and then I need to take it farther. Because guess what? If we are in last place, we have to be even more efficient than everybody else. Because it's going to take a lot more energy for us to catch up. We're $10 trillion behind. You understand me? So that means that we don't have time to play. So when a person would be like, man, I, you know, I was always taught that, you know, too much joking and playing is no good. And I understand that now because... People would be like, no, nah, we got, you know, entertainment. We love entertainment. I, I, I enjoy entertainment. You understand me? I watch the UFC, but I just seen they, they offer Anthony Joshua 15 million not to fight. So uh, Wilder and the other uh, uh, dude can get the fight. 
And that's more than everybody in the UFC done got paid for almost killing themselves in a fight. So it's like, we always the talent, we always the entertainment, but we never the owners. And that's the thing, that's the one thing too, because it's like, you know, it's one of these things that you always got to look at it. Yes, we, we're naturally gifted in sports and entertainment. You can't, I mean, it is what it is, right? And we dominate sports and entertainment. It wouldn't even necessarily be bad if we actually control sports and entertainment. Not at all. The problem is that we don't have any ownership or control in the two areas that we really dominate, sports and entertainment, we have no ownership in those areas. That's really the problem. It would be a different conversation if out of 32 NBA teams, 10 of them was owned by black people. Right. 20 was owned by black people. When you have 32 NBA teams and one is owned by a black person, mm -hmm. the greatest athlete of all time, right? And you have, I don't know how many NFL teams and none of them are owned by a black person. Barely got a head coach that's black. You have no major, you have no record label that's owned by a black person. They're going to say, well, what about those record labels are under another record label? Yeah. So, like, the two areas that we actually dominate in, we don't control, we have no ownership in. So, that's another situation, that's a whole other conversation. Like, it, would, it wouldn't even necessarily be that bad if we actually controlled sports and entertainment That's we're still fact. employees in sports and entertainment we don't control the two areas that we focus on and we, we put the most attention in we don't have any ownership or any control and this is why we have to have we get told what to do we get told you cannot say this in the music you cannot say this in the music right like there's certain things that artists had to take out of their songs because it, it wasn't beneficial like you know what I'm yeah. saying to like you can say anything. You can't say everything. <laughs> That's a fact. Don't get too free. The biggest song in hip-hop history, when Jadakiss said, stack chips like Hebrews, that line is taken out. If you listen to the Benjamins, that line's not in there. Mm. Took mm. the, the line out. Mm. Non, it's non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. Yeah, now, imagine how we would act if we were doing things the way we wanted to. Like, there's no area in sports and entertainment, there's, there's nobody that you can see acting 100% freely in a way that they want to. Saying exactly what they want to, making the exact music they want to, which shows us that the most valuable communicative line that we have in our culture is not owned by us. Somebody else controls the direct messages that's being downloaded into us, that have effect and influence on us. That affects our behaviors and the outcomes of our lives. You understand me? That that's dangerous. And so that's something that, you know, when I went to uh, the Revolt Hip Hop Summit, they was talking about ownership the first time I went. And I thought that was dope. And then I went to uh, South Africa and they was having, they was going to be doing a land summit where they was trying to get the land back from where the South Africans have stolen the land. Because you go out there and there are certain places where you can go, I mean, you could be driving for miles, 70 miles deep, and they'd be like, yes, all of this is owned by this white South African, right? And he has one little ranch farm there where he has this high expensive stake that none of the Africans in that whole country, for the most part, can afford. So the government, you understand me, uh, 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 is trying to figure out how to give them back some land while still being fair to the white South Africans who stole the land in the first place. 
You understand me? So <laughs> that's their struggling issue right now, trying to figure out is it even fair to give back stolen land that's owned by the people. And then the people don't even have the knowledge nor expertise that if they were given the land to know actually how to uh, 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 to irrigate it and, and actually farm and things of that nature because they live in the city. They don't have those skill sets and that knowledge. And that's what we're dealing with all around the world. Everywhere you go, you're going to see this, that we're always missing something. So if we can combine resources, and this is why I like the idea of the blockchain, because it takes a lot of our problems and we can create solutions from them. You understand me? But if we, if we have to start at a level of independence and we have to start at a level of, you understand me, uh, collective and cooperative economics. You understand me that? Yes, we understand that. It's not easy for a person to, uh, 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 okay, stop working with these people and just go do your own thing. Sacrifice is the currency to buy the life you want, to wheel into the type of world we want to live. There's going to have to be sacrifice some area. You can't maintain comfortability, right, and won't change at the same time. And that's the chief issue is that when we look over there, you realize that, damn, most of those people in those positions, they're too comfortable to want real radical change. And the people that get to observe the effects that it has on culture is like, no, all of that shit needs to change. How many times that we've, we, we blame the victims in entertainment and sports, you understand me, and hip hop for, for taking bad, bad contracts that turned them into slaves. Not for once did we out the people that wrote the contracts. You understand me? So we even victimize our own people for being taken advantage of. While everybody else and their family get to eat off of it, chill at night, be quiet while this person now gets ostracized for making a bad decision because he was taken advantage of. Because that's where he come from, poverty. And that's where they target us. So it's like now we have to create our own systems. You understand me? Our own institutions so that we can rule ourselves. That's it. it, it there's no other way to get around it. Like inclusion is great. You understand me? But ownership is better. I agree. I agree. So before we before we end this live, from a solution, from a couple solution standpoint, I know you blockchain. So talk you talk about that invest fest a little bit, but talk about how you think bringing it full circle back to 2022. Yeah. Um, talk about how you think the blockchain can actually you know because nothing's going to change overnight. There's no like one solution. Right. Talk about blockchain technology can actually lead to some progress. Well, you know, the beauty of it, because the blockchain, you can go solution by solution by solution, right? Uh, in different areas and in different industries. So let's say specifically hip-hop. We've seen what Nas did with his NFT drop. He dropped it on the blockchain. You understand me? It executes the smart contract, and the smart contract was written that basically you have royalties and some rights to his song. You understand me? That you get paid essentially dividends for owning this particular NFT. Because it's going to verify and it's going to execute whatever's written inside that. So, and, and now we're seeing uh, Meek Mills dropping his mixtape on the blockchain. So the blockchain now becomes the new distribution, right? Everybody who's at earshot that heard that the same way Tory Lanez was able to do it, right? Everybody who heard that, oh, snap, I don't have to buy it on iTunes. I don't have to buy it on Spotify. I don't have to buy it. Anywhere else, I can go directly buy it on blockchain, which is owned by nobody. You understand me? It's decentralized, meaning that basically it's owned by everybody because everybody can have access to it. Nobody stores the information and can take it away from you. Once you buy it, it is yours, and that information is stored only to you. 
So now all of the artists can decide whenever they get out they they contracts. You understand me? And new artists that's coming up, they can create completely new business models of how they operate, right? So the marketing would be social media, just getting the attention. But the new distribution has nothing to do with a label. Labels are essentially people that give you loans with bad interest rates. You understand me? And, and take way too much of your business even though you executed everything. And you the talent and the whole nine. That's like a bank saying that, all right, I'm going to give you a million dollars, but I want to cut off everything you sell. Like, <laughs> ain't nobody taking that deal from no bank. Ain't no way you negotiating that with me. But that's how they've been able to historically get off on rappers because they knew nothing of the business. So instead of saying that, you know what, I don't want the bank. You understand me? The new bank becomes decentralized where the people can give the loans to the rappers. You understand me saying that, listen, I love your music, right? And because I love your music uh, uh, as much, of course, I'm going to buy into your NFT or your token that's connected to the distribution of your music. The rappers can take that and utilize that towards their marketing budget, towards their A&R, towards their own development, their tour and everything. They can reconnect that same merch to those same projects on the blockchain, right? They can incentivize uh, and create communities, right? Because the biggest and most beautiful thing that we've seen out of something like this NFT ways is the community aspect of it. I had a thesis that everything that was luxury is going to become a business model standard, right? So country clubs were a luxury. Now, NFTs are the new country clubs, right? Rappers we know have huge fan bases. I'm talking about millions upon millions. We've seen John Legend had to give up his masters, or he didn't have to, but he sold it, right? But he got, what, 18 million followers on Twitter, 18 million followers on Instagram, why couldn't he generate a community, take that same number that they was going to pay him and create him a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization that's connected to the royalties and rights of all his music. And the people that listens to it, there's a way that he can connect that and he can get royalties and he can get paid off of it. Essentially, what I'm saying is every business model, right, that historically has robbed us, we can now find a way to take advantage of by putting it on the blockchain and taking out the middleman. They already showed us every business model that works, right? Now we're just saying that instead of this label that robs us, let's put that on the blockchain that's now decentralized. Because with the smart contracts, the NFTs, the DAOs, the blockchain, and all these other new protocols that we can use for us to continue to utilize old systems is willingly putting ourselves into slavery. If we want to go, uh, we, we've historically talked about black-owned businesses that take their exit strategies and sell to white-owned companies. We can now take those same black-owned businesses that want to have an extra strategy and sell, but we can create a DAO where it's connected to a token and all people buy in these tokens and they have governance where they get to vote on what goes into the money. So if we get a pot of $100 million and we'd be like, you know what, I like EYL, I love what they're doing. This DAO that's owned by the people who own by your fans and the people that watch it say, you know what, we want to offer y'all $50 million dollars to sell us 20% because I'm going to evaluate y'all good. You know what I'm saying? We'll give you a good evaluation. $50 million for 20%, right? Y'all still get to run, manage it, keep 80% and, and, and do whatever y'all want to do. But now the people get to share in that profit and everybody who owns a token based on a percentage of ownership can now benefit, right, from this company existing. And that means that y'all no longer have to take or any company, period, no longer have to take money that they don't want to take, right? Black media companies are looking for ad dollars right now. There's barely any what they call black unicorn VC funds. And these VC funds are venture capitalist funds that run billions and billions and billions of dollars. 
these billions of dollars goes towards everybody else's ideas but ours, right? So it's hard for us to get the capital and the resources to really build out big ideas. But if we look at just in our community with the 45 plus million people that exist and we say, listen, we got 1.5 trillion spending power. Well, we can take a tenth of that, 20% of that, and we can start putting into businesses and start funding all of the businesses that exist within our communities. Jeff Bezos was able to get to the point he's at because his parents were investors and they gave that man, I think it was what, $500,000 at the time? Something around 250,000, it was a big number. Then the rest of the people in his family, he went and lobbied to try to get about 50,000 for each one of them raising about a million dollars so that he can start a digital library in a time where it made no sense and it had nothing to do with his degree. But they said, we're going to take that risk. We can now have the ability to take those same risks and start funding our own world. That's what we do. When we see somebody in our community that we love to see and we be like, damn, I love, I wish they had more media behind them. I wish they had a bigger budget to do more of this. Like I would love to see a HBO type shows with the type of peers that we have so we can run it up and have more influence where the people can say, you know what, I'm going to invest in this particular fund over here. And then at the end of the day, now we can, we can vote on which person we want to get the loans to, or it ain't even got to be a loan. It can be a grant. You understand me? And so the blockchain allows us to create solutions where otherwise it wouldn't have been possible because guess what? It had, it had, the blockchain has been proven up until this point, right? To not be hackable. So one of the biggest issues that we have in our community is trust. If you wanted to do something with your family right now, right, the trust going to be the biggest problem. I don't know if I can trust them niggas though, man. That's our saying. That's our low frequency that comes in. That's, that's the quick voice that comes in. I don't know if I can trust these niggas, right? But if you put it on the blockchain, I don't have to trust you no more. So we're going to create a smart contract that say, listen, let's see if we can connect our paychecks. That's why it's called smart contracts. Smart contracts. If we can connect our paychecks, right, and let's say we're going to allocate 20% to investments. Now, before, and, and when does money get allocated, right, let's say that one of the people in there is a strategist or earner where they learned about stocks or they learned about crypto. And they say, okay, the person that learns about crypto, I want y'all to manage which cryptos we buy into. Now, this person doesn't get autonomy to just pick and decide. All of these wallets will be connected to where each time a person tries to uh, change something, everybody that has a wallet has to click accept, right? So now nobody can do any fraudulent or greedy things to steal from one another because everybody has to agree, right? So now you just created a system to where y'all can have your own fund in each household in America, right? These things were not available to us until the blockchain created this ledger system to where we can put all data and transactions in a transparent manner. And it's what they call immutable. So for me, I look at the blockchain to say that every single problem that we once had, we can find a creative way to solve it utilizing blockchain technology. People think like we talk about the metaverse. Some people don't like the metaverse because they don't understand it, right? And at the end of the day, we can utilize the metaverse to solve different issues and problems, even PTSD and mental health issues that exist. It might be hard to get people to go into nature. I would love for every person that got an issue with metaverse to go spend 10 hours in nature a week at least, because I know the average person doesn't. But there's ways and studies that they're utilizing that particular technology to help solve PTSD, and that exists in the hood rampantly, right? 
we can solve issues and supply chain issues all around the world because they're going to change. They, they, they're trying to figure out right now because I believe the supply chain is like a $50 trillion industry, right? To put everything on the blockchain, make it more trustable, safe, secure, transparent, right? Now, if you do that, there's ways that you can look at every uh, um, food desert that exists in America. And food deserts is when you have a when you don't have a proximity to nutrient available foods. So Dr. Wesley did a great report it's, uh, on zip codes in America, and it shows the distance between these zip codes, right, and these food deserts. So if you can pinpoint each and every single one on the map, you can say, you know what, all we have to do is close the distance between this person needing to get some nutrient available and this person. So you can fill the gaps by putting a bodega in there. And then the supply chain and the food can be connected to farms that are connected to the blockchain that are sending and servicing food. So when this one runs out, it'll have an automated system to start fulfilling. So even if you don't follow everything and what I'm saying in the whole system, you start to understand that, wait a minute, the food issue is connected to the criminal issue. It's connected to the household. It's connected to so many different things that we want to see. So by solving one problem, we actually solve a thousand problems. You understand me? And so for me, I want us to be intelligent enough to think about, and intelligence is really solving problems in the future. Your ability to solve problems, it, it, that's how you want to measure your intelligence. So we can't consider ourselves an intelligent people unless we have the ability to solve our problems. And I don't want us to be consistently reacting to technology and how everybody else is using it. But we never think about how we can use it to solve our problems. Even NFTs, like I've never looked at NFTs as art projects. A lot of people have, right? I've always looked at NFTs as ways to build communities, to create IPOs and new brands and new business models and do more uh, 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 charity. Like, I'm going to give you all this last thought process because I know for a fact that there's going to be a point in time where everybody has NFTs in their wallet, right? So... Right now, you know, if you go on the internet and, and, and you show yourself giving a, a dollar to a homeless person, people will have an issue with you showing that type of charity off, right? But at the end of the day, I think this will get to a point where we transparent with the amount of charity that we do give and, and how we give. That I would love for my wallets, and since it's going to be transparent on the blockchain anyway, then why wouldn't I have? Why wouldn't I buy NFT connected to a program that helps with a uh, 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 physical abuse right of women across america right hell yeah i got that nft and that that means that if everybody in america got that nft then that's just a billion dollars that just got funded to help solve those issues or they go in there and they do violence intervention programs in america right like now we have a way to say that all right i'm putting my money where i say my mind is where i say my heart is right so you got the social aspect then you have the philanthropic aspect you understand me? Then you add the technology in and it allows all of us to say that, you know what, I'm diversified in the ways that I think I can help humanity. You understand me? And we can solve so many problems tomorrow, today, if we decide to actually use technology to solve our problems. It's crazy to say that because um, you said a lot, first and foremost. Um, but, hey, um, man, when you ask, I got to go. <laughs> I feel, I feel, me and Troy was on a conference call earlier and um same exact thing that you that you spoke about as far as the Nas IPO thing or that's what we was talking about. We were speaking to somebody and um, I was kinda explaining like, you know, this is a way this is like this could be like the new wave of venture capital 
but for the public. This is the new, the new way IPO, but instead of going to the stock market, it's like the public is getting in. That's something that's extremely interesting to me. And I feel like that right there could be a complete game changer. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, I call them intellectual property opportunities. You understand me? Like, that's a way for you to get your, your, your IP, your intellectual property on the market because we already know that they got it outpriced to where the average person can't buy into these situations. You understand me? And at the end of the day, it shouldn't be where there's a dictatorship that tells us what opportunities we can and cannot take. Just because a person is not making a million dollars, $250,000, doesn't mean that they can't see a good opportunity, you understand me, in front of them, and that they shouldn't be involved in it, and that only the people who are already successful should have the ability to get involved in these opportunities. And that's the issue, is that our economic models are broken, you understand me, and they only serve a certain class. And blockchain is basically a technology that can be utilized to serve all classes, which is why the government trying to regulate it. Like Russia said that they was going to get rid of it. And then he was like, no, we not. We about to use this mining and we're going to regulate the crypto. You understand me? Because there's an economic war going on. And so instead of us getting caught up in that, we can also make decisions for ourselves. Like once you put it on the blockchain can't truly be regulated. You understand me? There's always going to be ways to get around things and loopholes and things can become so big that the people always have more power than the government. But we got to a point where the government makes themselves seem as if they have more power than the people. And that was a reverse psychology that was put on as a veil and a trick over the minds of the people to never think that they have power and they have to go with every decision that comes from the top. And that's why people love blockchain because it is a complete disruption of this totalitarianship that we currently live in where everything is owned by corporations and institutions. One of the biggest things that we've seen as an issue before was like, how the hell can you know, the, the, the melanated people in America do business with our African brothers and sisters on the motherland, right? We seeing 70,000 square foot getting put up by Jeff Bezos in Africa. He about to go over there, build, rob all resources and try to take over everything. So it's like we can have an established token of cryptocurrency that allows us to circulate money back and forth between our economies easily to where we can take a look at all of the land, Put that on the blockchain where there's a grid of all of the land and we can decide to buy up on it. A person can create concept architecture on what we want to be built. They can build it first in the metaverse and we decide that, yes, we like the way this looks. Everybody can tour it. That's an investor. And then they can decide to buy it in real life. And it becomes physical things that get built up. Like once we realize that like, they already created airplanes and we can literally hop on a plane and sit for a few hours and then get off the plane and we can visit there. Like, there's no issue because we can now be also issued passports and have secondary citizenship over there. You understand? It's like the blockchain has made the world smaller and created an opportunity for everybody to do business with each other. Right? And the infrastructure, when you talk about rap, rappers have no, they ain't touched the continent. Right? Like, if, if you want to go over to Africa, you talk about rap, how much streaming is missing from having that African continent? It's not even from the rap standpoint, from the podcast standpoint. For the podcast. Like, to Nigeria. Oh Shout God. out to Bizzle, David O. Got a whole crew out in Nigeria. We went to we went to Nigeria and um, they was they was letting me know what's going on with the podcast. Hey, we like Ernie Leach is in the top of like all African countries. Talk your talk, man. No, 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 that's just a fact. <laughs> but the thing about it is that so they were showing me like the top 
African podcast. It was like these two girls, I forget the name, but um, they was like, they're not the only, they're not just the biggest podcast in Nigeria, they're the biggest podcast in West Africa. Yeah. So looking at their social media, and they have 14,000 followers. Mm. So I'm realizing is that podcasting is still on a very in- infancy stage out there. Like the majority of people still not really listening to podcasts like that. So media, the media opportunities overseas, and this is why like when you see us go to Jamaica, when you see us go to Nigeria, when you see us go to Egypt, all these different places, we got a bunch of other places that we about to actually go to, we gonna we, we can't talk about that yet, but um, when you see yeah, us going yeah. to these different places, it's not just to have vacations and talk to cool people, it's to actually get a lay of the land, because when I was looking at it, and I'm like, alright, Earn Your Leisure is number one in Botswana, number three in South Africa, number ten in UK, number six in, in Canada, number one in Jamaica, so at first it's like, oh, we, you know, we lit, we number one all over the world, but then I start to actually really think about it, like, what does that really mean? Mm. So now, why are we number one in countries where the vast majority of the information that we're talking about is not really even relevant to that country? Like they have their own real estate system, they have their own tax system. It's different. It's different. But then I'm realizing that there's no alternative. Right. So it's just like you go to France and they love hip hop, but a lot we speak English, but they'll listen to Little Baby, and there's not really like an alternative like there's France hip hop but it's not on the level of American hip hop so they listen to the American hip hop because that's all they really have right so like this is like that right where it's like they're listening to Ernie Alicia because from a black cultural perspective talking about business talking about financing there's not there's not an alternative on the level that we're on right now that's a fact so I'm like that's a that's a tremendous opportunity because it's like when you look at America there's what the 60 million black people I think something like that I'm not sure 45 million 40 something we gonna get up there and we start to have more babies Uh, (laughs) in in one country of Nigeria which is the most populated black country in the world there's 210 million black people so but even peeling back the layers even further 80% of the population is under 21 Mm. 90% of the population is under 18. So this is yeah, they're they the most fertile Africa, continent. Africa is one, is the only continent that has a positive birth rate. Like all, every other continent, like the European continents, they have they have Asia, they have a negative birth rate. Like more people are dying than are being born. This is why the immigration. This is why they have to let immigrants. This is this is this is the whole interesting thing with Europe's immigration policy. They don't want to let immigrants in, but they have no choice but to let immigrants in because they're not producing enough people. And it's like these people, you colonized their country, taught them your language. This is why, like, the, the, the countries in, in Africa that speak French, they, they're going to France. The countries that speak Italian, they're going to, like, the countries that speak English, they're going to, because you colonized their country, you, you forced those people into a system that you, you gave them. You gave them a language. You gave them a culture. So now you mad because they're coming. They're coming to home. That's yeah. not their home now, right? Like yeah. you met over their country, taught them how to speak French. That's not their language. So when they when they when they're leaving the conditions that they're under, where they gonna go? They gonna go to France. That's a fact. They, they gonna go to England. So I say that to say, it's tremendous opportunity for like us in a media standpoint from a global perspective 
Like, America is cool, but when you start to look at a continent like Africa, that's a whole entire continent. So all you need is a small percentage of the continent to have way more of an impact than you have in one country of America. That's a fact. I mean, I was just looking it up and they said, you know, it's like one point. In 2016, the population was 1.2 billion, right? Um, and then that population got to be like 1.4 billion now, right? That is a lot of people, and that's only second to Asia, right? And, and, and of course, we know Asia is running things right now. You understand me? As far as their country, the money that they have, the resources, the technology that they have. And Africa is such a fertile land. There's so many opportunities that America is, is cool, right, at the end of the day. You know, this we built this country, so we have, and, and some of us was already loyal to the soil before they got here, before Columbus got lost on this country, thinking that the Indians were from India and everything, but we know the history. So, at the end of the day, we have to start looking at this whole entire planet as an opportunity for us to be able to move and mobilize on, right? Like, every other culture looks at the planet, right? The rulers of the country look at the planet. They don't stop, oh, I got one bank in America. No, they got a bank everywhere, you understand me? They don't say, well, we, we, we doing local business. No, they doing global business. They got to make sure they have a base everywhere. So it's like when it comes to that, how many of us, you know, most of the time people take their first trip is to go to Italy. They can't wait to go see a European country. No, go to a place that actually has roots because where you go to has an effect on your, your, your physiology. It has an effect on your mind and, the, and, and atmospheric changes and how it conditions you. It's, it's hard to be a man of the culture without actually going and seeking the cultures around the world. You understand me? And, and, and inhabiting for some time and, and doing participant observation. You understand me? And that puts us in a different mind frame that we know for a fact that if we take a, do a, a mass exodus, right? It don't have to be an exodus where everybody stay, but some people will do better there. Right? It's like, why suffer? You understand me over here when you can thrive over there because a lot of the skill sets that we have can do better in more fertile places to where the competition is not as high and our education can be used as a resource to help educate, not to educate, but to help build. Right. It's like at the same time, I don't want, you know, the, the ignorance of our masses. They got a couple of dollars to go out there, but I know some folks that have went out there and they built when they get out there. You oh, when we went me? to Nigeria, we met. A bunch of people from America. One guy from Chicago. Yeah. One Jersey. And what was they doing? They driving. They they driving Lamborghinis. They yeah. They the guy from Jersey. He was actually cybersecurity. He had a cybersecurity background in America. He went out there. You know, a lot of these countries, the infrastructure is not really in place. Took over the whole cybersecurity system for the government. Mm. Like he's like the government cybersecurity for Nigeria. Yeah. He got. He got. He got up. He sent the, you know, they living. <laughs> you know yeah, they lit. <laughs> yeah, living. It's different, different, different. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's opportunities all over the world, bro. And that's like anywhere. Like, I went to Asia. In 2017, I went to Asia for 30 days. I went to five different countries. And um, that really changed my life because just being around different cultures and experiencing different things and seeing, eating different food and yeah. understanding. That you know, America is only a small part of wow. the world. It's not. We look at America like this. This is everything because this is all we know. But the world is big, mm. and it's you, know, you got to actually see the world to appreciate the world. The opportunities 
and for what you have, because you know we do have luxuries in America that that other people don't have. So it's important to appreciate what you have. But um, from a business standpoint, there's so many opportunities all over the world. And I'm starting to see that more and more. That's why it's like our travel is like, all right, it's cool to to go to Atlanta and to go to LA, but let's go to Africa. Yeah. Let's let's go to let's go to Europe. Let's go to Jamaica. Let's go to you know Colombia. Like. These is different parts of the world where it's like when we talk about leadership, the leadership has no borders. That's a fact, especially now because I mean, if you're from another country, drop your flag. You understand me and drop the name of it because you know I, I remember the first time I went to South Africa. The first day I got there, you understand me. I went to the mall and it was this girl that stopped me. She was like, "Oh my God." My boyfriend loves you. Can I take a picture with you? My, my accent terrible, so don't judge me. You feel me? <laughs> I be all over the world, so my accent just be jumping. You know what I'm talking about? But no, nah, it, it was love, and it was it was energy. You understand me? And, and that's when I probably had maybe like 40,000 followers or something of that nature. I wasn't even, you understand me, moving how I'm mobilized now. But the people that tapped in all over. I mean, we threw events in Puerto Rico. You understand me? Last year, you understand me? And the amount of black people that's out there is astonishing. You understand me? Our melanated people that exist out there. And. Cut you off, but it's not just black people. That's not, we got we to get out of that mindset, too. Where our message, our message, I'm going to speak for Ernie Alicia. Our message is not only for black people. Our, our message is a world, a world message. Now, of course, black people is going to be the four, first and foremost, because that's who we are. So. They understand the way that we talk. That's our culture. They never apologize for that. But they, they do that all the time where they'll limit you to a black. Mm. It's the black financial advisor, the black lawyer, the black doctor. And you could, as a black doctor, you can only have black clients. I've never seen, I was a financial advisor. I've never seen, like, there's different levels of racism. There's different levels of racism. Like, I never forget a, a guy was talking to me and he was like, um, are most of your clients black? Now, granted, most of my clients were black. But, I, <laughs> why, but why would you assume? Right. Because if I was Italian, you wouldn't just automatically assume that all my clients are Italian. That's the difference. Even other quote-unquote minorities, Asians, any anybody else has a free range to do whatever they want. If you come from India, you can work with white people. You can work with Italians. You can work with... Hispanic people, it doesn't matter. Black people, they love to put you in that box of black. And once you get at it, once you in the box of black, you're never getting out. You, you're only your message is only for black people. You can only work with black people. People that's only interested in your message is black people. And we gotta get out of that because the world is big. And our message is not just for black people. Our message of financial literacy is for every race, every religion every creed whoever wants to partake in it now if you decide that you don't want to partake in it that's up to you whether you white black or whatever but the voice that we have the voice that you have you're not a black leader you're a world leader like the message that you're talking about you're talking about nfts cryptocurrency the metaverse 
liberation. This is stuff that people in Poland can understand. This is stuff that people in Russia need to hear. This is stuff that people in Mexico need to hear. This is stuff that people all over the world need to hear. So I just wanted to put that out there because it's like sometimes that's how I feel. I don't know how anybody else feels, but that's how I feel. We can't limit ourselves to just one particular race of people. This is a world message that everybody needs to hear and everybody can benefit from. You know, yesterday I got on a call because I got an email for a booking, man, and uh, they wanted me to help them promote this metaverse uh, event that they was having, and they wanted me to uh, essentially be a speaker. And I took the call, and it's this uh, 16-year-old kid. You understand me? He explained it how, you know, he started his business flipping uh, shoes and, and wholesaling, and he uh, built it up to a $300,000 business. You understand me? And that how his friend recommended me because that he'd been watching how I move as a thought leader, blah, blah, blah. blah. I mean, very, very impressed because the bruh had a whole spill. He had a whole breakdown. He had a whole vision towards everything. He had a pivot. He was game tight. And as I'm listening, I could tell it wasn't a black kid on the other end. You understand? I didn't know whether he was white, but he ended up, I believe, being Hispanic. You understand me? And for my message and for the game that I've given, I, I will honestly say when I first started off, it's 100% just our culture. But what happens is when you have a universal message, all people who can benefit from it tap into it. Because I can't... <laughs> I, it's rare for me to have an event where there's in person, you understand me, where you're not going to see all different colors and spectrums of people. That's just a fact. When I went to the UK, it was this white kid who came from the, the Netherlands. He hopped on the train all the way from the Netherlands <laughs> to come connect, buy some merch and come to the event. You understand me? And that's the scariest thing that they hate for the, for the most part. They want to box you in because... They don't want you to have that ability like Fred Hampton had where he can speak to all people. He had, he, he had the ear of the KKK. He had, he had the, the, uh, the uh, Hispanics. You understand me? He had the black folks. He had the poor whites. He had everybody because he had a message of liberation for all against tyranny and oppression. You understand me? And so anytime you have a universal message that is valuable and you speak from a place of good consciousness, you're going to relate to anybody that is tapped into that same frequency. And then that's when we transcend the boxes and the labels and anything they try to put us under because at the end of the day, you know, I'm a copper color, you understand me, melanated original man, right? And we, 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 we know that, you know, the color system at the end of the day is used as a tool uh, in, in legalese, in language, you understand me to uh, um, to minimize what we can do in society. That's a fact. There's a certain reasons why we only have voting rights and blacks have voting rights because we're not considered in the same pool as all Americans, right? But that's a whole nother conversation. So you know, when, once you understand things on a higher level, we don't get stuck on racial consciousness because that's the lowest form of observation is to to stare at what's physical. You understand me? We transcend that, and now we have a message that allows us to change the world because changing the world looks like changing the minds. And once we can reach the minds of the people, then that means that everybody benefits that want to raise their vibration to a higher frequency, want to learn how to manage themselves at higher levels. And that's why we have the success that we have today is because our message is transcended. Yeah, that's right on point, my brother. There's uh, oppressed people all over the world, man. Every society and every country 
And uh, that's one thing that you learn when you travel too. There's more poor people in this world than there's rich people in this world. So, or um, it doesn't matter who's going to help you. You know, as long as you're not, you know, stuck in that ignorant mindset, mm-hmm. you're going to take the help. And um, you're looking for help, actually. You, yeah. You actually help. So whoever it comes from, and that's another thing too. It's like you know, we we always hear like a savior, and a lot of times we've been programmed to think that a savior is a white person. That's a savior. savior but, that's a savior complex. Yeah. So it's like, um, but if a savior could be a white person, a savior could be a black person. Shit, savior. I mean, that's, you know what? I want to say this last thing, man. We got, we got soldiers all around the world, Rashad. You understand me? Like real soldiers that are, that are, that are really, you understand me, go there for us. And a lot of people that's just 100% loyal because of, what we've been able to put into the atmosphere that have affected people's lives. You understand me? And it's beautiful. And we have to realize that we truly are backed by the people. And the people have to understand that if you ever want a movement to win, you have to back those, you understand me, who are at the forefront. The reason that a lot of the Black Panthers failed in and, and, and some way, because once they were no longer the hot topic in front of the eyes of the people, they were left, you understand me, to... Uh, uh, um, be taken advantage of by the FBI and, and also not having jobs and can't go get a job. The people no longer back them. But when they was in front of it, the people backed them. You understand me? And so we have to create this culture to where the people are backing the leaders as much as the leaders are backing the people. You understand me? Because we can't have things where they're just here for a moment. Y'all have to put a responsibility on us to never fail at the same time. The same way we put a responsibility on y'all to not fail. To, to, to stay focused, to stay tapped in. It has to be a two-way streak. It has to be a relationship. You understand me? That's the only way that this thing is going to work. We not saying that I'm not the savior of the culture. I only teach you how to save yourself. That's not my goal. I'm not, I don't have a cape. You understand me? <laughs> I'm not flying around trying to save nobody. I'm trying to teach you how to save yourself. And if I can get you to think, as Noble Jirali said, you can but save yourself. You understand me? And that's how we get to that ultimate level of enlightenment. But I need everybody to be a soldier for their own campaign. And I need y'all to also back the people that y'all believe in. You understand me? Whether it's spiritually, whether it's physically, whether it's financially. You understand me? Be there in assistance. When, when people say protect them at all costs, you are the ones that protect it. You understand me? Don't wait for somebody else to do something that you believe in. Like, that's our goal. Each person has to be a part of this campaign, not an observer of it. We're not the politicians. I'm not a preacher. You understand me? I'm not a minister. You understand me? I'm 19 Keys. That's Rashad Bilal. I can't speak for my brother, but I know for a fact that he's not tuning himself as your savior and walking around saying that he going to save you. That's your job, but this is the opportunity to do it yourself. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. State of the culture. 19 keys, EYL, felt it was necessary. It was very next, necessary. Next conversations that you'll be hearing from us will be action after something is taking place or before it's taking place, like this is what we're doing. We don't want to have too many, like, you know, sometimes you need to actually, you know, have these open dialogues, but we're not, you know, like you said, we're not, like, just going up there and just preaching. We, we, we're doers. That's a fact. Um, Next time you're going to hear from us, we'll, we'll be on a different side of the world, building, mm-hmm. you know, doing something in real life, collaborating in real life. Um, yeah. Stay 
Oh, stay tuned. Yeah. Watch very closely. <laughs> All right, my brother. Any last man. words for the people? Uh, nah, man. They know what they need to do, man. The last step is always execution. That's always the last. That's all. Not the last. It's always the next step. Sorry. The next step is always execution. You understand me? Um, both of us can look at our audience. We're going to look at a percentage of people that listen and people that execute. You understand me? And we need to start transcending those numbers to more people that execute, more people that actually take the information and execute on it so that next time we see you, it ain't about how proud of you are of us. I want to hear testimonials of how much you've executed from the information that you've tapped into. I want to hear and see results. If I have one selfish thing that I want is that I actually really want to impact people's lives. The next time I talk to them, bro, you changed my life. I ain't going to lie, man. That information you gave me, I executed on. These are my results. You understand me? I don't want y'all to watch Market Mondays every goddamn Monday and not execute. You understand me? You've been paper trading for three years. <laughs> it's time to put some money in the market. <laughs> you, you've been watching this NFT, this crypto, this blockchain, all this business strategy, Turo, Airbnb, credit talk, and, and still on the sidelines. The next step, if you, are, if you have a question, remember the next step is always execution. If I see you in person, I'm going to tell you what that game is. The next step is execution. Let's get it done. Um, and like I said, stay tuned. 19 Keys, EYL, we got some big, big, big stuff coming yeah. together. Big things. Big things. You know, we're going we gonna to show you what collaboration, what working together looks like in real life. So hopefully we can, you know, be used as some level of a reference point if you need it. Or an example if you need it. Um, that's what we're here for. So, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's been real. 19, always a Peace. pleasure, my brother. Likewise. Stay blessed, God. Peace God. to the family out there. Peace. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.